Hey folks, just wanted to give you guys a quick content warning from this episode. So from around like the 55 minute mark to around the hour mark, uh, we have a brief discussion about some topics related to sexual assault. They're relevant to the show, um, but if that kind of thing upsets you, then you can feel free to skip it. There will be another warning with the same music that you heard at the beginning of this one uh, before that happens. And then there will be another warning again after it's over so that when you're skipping through, uh, you can just easily find where it begins and ends uh, so that you don't have to hear it if it would bother you. Uh, but otherwise, enjoy the show. Hello, Cass. Hello, Alex. Oh, hello, everybody, too. Yes. Hi, I didn't, I didn't see you there. This is Anime is for Jerks. I didn't see you there because yep. you don't exist because nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> I forgot to open my can. Oh, hell yeah. See, I don't have cans anymore because I have my fancy-ass home carbonator. I th- I'm sure you can make some weird sounds with your fancy-ass home carbonator. I could, uh, but it's over there. So, Alex, what did we watch this month? Hmm. So, this month we watched uh, Karashi Kanojo no Jiju, uh, aka uh, Karikano. Uh, it is based on uh, Masumi Tsuda's manga, uh, but the anime adaptation was by uh, Hideaki Anno of Neon Genesis Evangelion fame. And this is something he did immediately after that. Yes, uh, he did it like like he started working on this like immediately after End of Eva wrapped. And it is a very different thing. It, it the thing is the thing the about thing it, is the thing <laughs> yeah, about I was, I was it about is, to say like the good is, parts are not different. Like like it's amazing that it is it is the same in all of the ways I didn't expect it to be the same. And different in all of the ways that I expected it to be the same. <laughs> you know, like, I, 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 like, there's so many just, like, specific things that Anna reuses from Ava. Like, the, on, like, the tons of on-screen text and, like, shots of characters sitting in folding chairs in big dark rooms. And, like, it's so, it's, like, it's so obvious that Hideaki Anna directed this. And yeah. also, it's not obvious at all. <laughs> Well, it's very non-obvious in the later episodes because he didn't. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get to that later. Uh, so right. yeah, so this is a so the the manga is uh, a shoujo romance. Uh, it it kind of uh, alternates between kind of slice of life gag and kind of psychological drama, and the anime kind of touches on all those genres at various points we've like we've talked before in the ava episode about like how ano represents kind of psychological state of characters and their interiority and yeah and that is i would say the thing that is the most similar between this and ava is that the way that ano represents characters internal monologues and the way that he represents their thoughts is extremely similar In, in some in some cases i think he does it better in this. I think sometimes, Ava. yeah, I would agree. Uh, and I, and I, that I, makes I, sense. I mean, like he tried out a lot of things in Ava yeah. and went with what continued to work. Cause yeah, I was thinking about our Ava 
podcast, and I remember saying that I wasn't a huge fan of the kind of the final two episodes, uh, partly because I didn't, partly because it was all interiority, and I and I, I didn't think it was super well done. Maybe that was just because it was so long. It was dragged out. It was like a it was like a very long, very intense two episode kind of exploration of Shinji's mind. Whereas when he does it here, it's much more kind of focused and and short. So he'll take um, like one character and kind of delve in um, much more briefly and much more kind of efficiently. And there in the in the wiki, you know, he said that. Um, they said that he, yeah, he kind of focused on making it into a personal case study of relationships, and yeah, they, I think like at its best, it is like it is that. Yeah, I mean, you say efficiently, so we should we should probably also acknowledge. Uh, did you like this show? No. Uh... <laughs> well, let's see. My, my my emotions went kind of all the first for the, at the beginning. I thought it was boring. Then somewhere in the middle, I thought it was great. And then near the end, I fucking hated it. Yeah, that's about the arc that I went on to. I don't <laughs> think I hated it at the end as much as you hated it at the end. But it, there's definitely, it, so the show, so the, the, one of the problems that this show has uh, is that it sort of shoots itself in the foot. And we'll get to this in more detail when we talk about these episodes. But it sort of shoots itself in the foot because there is a span of episodes in the middle of the show where the main character's love interest is not present and the show gets a million times better when he's not there, which makes yeah. it, which makes you just think like, why the fuck is he there? Why the fuck is this character who's just such a fucking wet blanket and makes the show awful in this show at all? Yeah. yeah. Ah, it drives me crazy. Well, I mean, I mean, that's, and, and like, and I, I mentioned before that Anno didn't direct the later episodes because, uh, I think he got frustrated with, uh, the constraints placed on it by having to adapt an original, an existing work, and I think he and the the author of the manga uh, did not work well together. And yeah, uh, he, he yeah he has a quote saying that uh, Karakana was supposed to be a romantic comedy, and we wanted to emphasize the comedy and not the romance. The author wanted to emphasize them both, and that is where the conflict came to be. We would like to continue work on it, but we have upset the author, so it is very <laughs> unlikely there will be a continuation of the series. I am very sorry. Yeah, it's a very funny... It's a very funny little little missive. Um, so we should probably uh, talk about what this show is about. We should. Okay. Um, so this this is a show... So this is a, the protagonist of the show is named uh, Miyazawa Yukino, and she is a freshman in high school. And she is obsessed with the idea of other people perceiving her as, like, a competent model student. Um, yeah, so she yeah she spends kind of, like, her whole school life uh, kind of polishing her image as this ideal student. And uh, it is all entirely for kind of that validation that she receives from being admired yeah this, this and and this is where the problems with this show began for me was in the first episode because uh the the way that this show views the world is like looking through the eyeballs of an a space alien 
<laughs> like, I can't, it is impossible for me to comprehend viewing the world the way this show views the world. And it's impossible for me to know. It's, Wait, it's, say, it's difficult. Uh, hmm? Say more. I want, I want you to say more on that. So, yeah, I'm going to. Okay. Explain. So it's, it's, what I mean is it, it's, it's difficult for me to tell whether this is because whether this is like a Japanese versus American thing. And like, this is just like culture shock or if it's something about the show itself. But so, so the first, the first thing that is weird to me, and I've known about this for a while, um, is, is the, the idea of like being a model student, getting good grades and, um, getting, doing well on tests, making you more popular remains surreal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, so that's a thing. So I was first introduced to that in the video game Shin Megami Tensei Persona 3. Um, where, which you play as a high school student and a huge part of that game is going to school. And when you answer questions correctly in class and do well on tests, your charm stat increases, (laughs) which I thought was, which I thought was weird at the time. And then I learned that like that's because in the, in the U S it's, it's, I think there's a, a, a sort of reverse stereotype in the U.S. that being good at school and getting good grades makes you unpopular because it makes you a nerd. But it's really not. That's it's not really not like that. It's just that how well you do at school is just completely orthogonal to your popularity. Like it has nothing to yeah. do with it. There were people yeah. who were very popular and well liked at the schools that I went to who had great grades. There were people who were very well liked who had terrible grades. There were people who were very well liked who were everywhere in between. And that's in part because in the U.S people don't really talk about their grades very much. Like, they talk about them, but, like, you will only occasionally learn what your classmates got on a test and only if they tell you. And you will never pretty much learn what their overall grade was in the course unless they deign to tell you. Yeah, Yeah. the, the, like, the Japanese, like, practice of posting the grades publicly does not happen in the U.S. And the other thing that, that was strange to me and that continued to be strange to me throughout the entire show, is that, how do I put this? Um, I don't understand what her, pro, what her pro, I, I don't understand the stakes of this show. Um, <laughs> like, like, like everybody's like, oh, she's pretending to be a model student, but she's actually a slob. And it's like, no, she is actually a model student. Like she's not pretending; she yeah. actually gets the best grades in the class. Well, it's it's more that that like her, her. You know, like, like I don't, I don't see wearing sweatpants at home as a character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I think in the case of like when she's like exposed by Maho. Uh, yeah, it's that, I, I that scene the, is the, so weird. I think the idea is more that like her her kind of her like helpfulness, her 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 kind of her perception of being kind of like perfect and upstanding and and is it's it's not that like it's it's more that what she does is kind of overtly kind of self-interested. And it's, I, it's like her, like the idea is that her motivation. But the thing is, is that, that that never changes. There's a there's a bit later on where one of her friends asked to borrow one of her notes, and now she's a changed person. So she says, "I'll let you borrow them if you pay me." Right. She so becomes it's, more it's, self-interested. It's, right. So 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 it's 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 like it's like being true to yourself, even if that even if your real self is a bitch. She's kind of, yeah. kind of a shitty person. Yeah. Because, <laughs> but but I think because I think. 
the the problem with the sh- one of the big problems that I have with the show thematically is that what it depicts in terms of how the characters grow and change is actually fairly nuanced. But the way that the show has the characters talk about those changes <laughs> is fucking dumb as shit it's so like because what miyazawa's character growth actually is is learning to synthesize these two aspects of her personality into something more coherent and something that she can be more comfortable with she becomes less of an asshole in her private life and also becomes like less of sort of an unapproachable like sort of pristine like model student in her in her public life and she and these sort of begin to converge um, and that, I think, is genuinely how it works, and genuinely a, a reasonable depiction of, uh, like, I, I think it's good characterization. But the way that the show talks about it is constantly in the dichotomy between the false self and the true self. Right. Like, the I, it seems complete, like, in, when the characters talk about themselves, they are unwilling to acknowledge the fact that n- maybe all of these different aspects of themselves are like none of them is more true than any other you know like like Miyazawa is not just a slob and an asshole and she's also not just you know a perfect model student who gets great grades on tests like she is both of those things and she is and because what this show doesn't seem to understand is that selfhood is contextual like who you are depends on like the place that you're in you are a different yeah. person depending on who you're around you're a different person around your parents than you are around your friends than you are around your boss you know and like and th- that's fine and normal yeah you know like it's it's such a weird yeah, that's that's sort of like the biggest problem that i kept having because initially what i was thinking what i kept thinking was she keeps saying how much she's changed and how much she's become her true self, but she hasn't fucking changed at all. She's exactly the same person <laughs> 10 episodes in as she was at the beginning of the show. She's exactly the fucking same person and she hasn't changed at all. And as the show get out, went on, especially as her character journey becomes contrasted with Arima's, I started to understand the actual character growth that she was experiencing and that I was prevented from seeing because of how poorly the show talks about it. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Oof. Anyway, I, I mean, I'm t- yeah, I'm trying to think about how, like, what the kind of reason, like, or motivation behind that could be. Like, what? What? I think what uh, it is is that, like, when people make stuff for teenagers. They have this instinct, like, there is this sort of built-in or, like, assumptive cultural knowledge about, like, being yourself, which is mm. the most useless, worthless advice in the universe. Yeah. And, like, whose self would I otherwise be being? <laughs> you know? Like, it's, right. it's... It's, like, but that's, it's, like, what you're supposed to tell teenagers. You're supposed to tell them, oh, be yourself. You know, you need to find out who you really are. That's what high school is for. That's what college is for, is you're supposed to find out who you are. When, it, that's, like, just such an unproductive way of talking about it. Because what it is, what the what the high school and college are, is the first time that you are grown up enough to decide who you want to be and construct that person. Yeah. You know, it's not a process of, like, 
it's not a elimination like, like where the fake parts of yourself until yeah. you find the, the yeah the the like you know the, it, it's a the, it's a, it's a par- process of discovering who you want to be and making yourself into that person, you know? And yeah. and when you frame it in that way, I think a lot of people are like, oh, that's inauthentic. That's gross. And it's just like, everything's inauthentic. We're all, yeah. we're, like, I didn't, I wasn't born with any of the propensities that I have now. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I think, I think, like, these characters are kind of like archaeological relics in a sense. I mean, they are. Like, That's how they're like, written. Like you said, like you said before, that like Miyazawa, like later on, once she like like decides to stop like like constantly performing the model student, she she just she. It's not like she like she just becomes she just, she just kind of embraces her asshole and like does doesn't help her friends with homework or whatever yeah. and like arima like just becomes like as his as he like gets rid of his like nice exterior he just becomes an increasingly like violent at, and like at first he becomes nothing at first yeah. he is he becomes just a blank nothing and then he becomes an asshole then it becomes this like yeah this this kind of manipulative so we should we should probably talk about we should probably talk about who arima is okay so, so arima is the main love interest and her academic competitor so it begins where the first episode is like she has has made her high school debut and she was planning on being just like she was in middle school, this perfect little princess who who um, is constantly worshipped by the class and feeds off that. But then Arima, what's his first name again? Oh god, Soichi. what's his name? Soichi, um, yeah. It takes her spot. Soichiro. Yeah. Uh, he is first in the class. He becomes the like whatever the class like the valedictorian or whatever the equivalent is for like well it's, she, the, he gets the highest score on their test right but then he, yeah. he, he, he at the beginning of like the opening the entrance ceremony he's he's the one called oh, yeah, up to, like, it does happen give give the give the the speech or whatever yeah and so she's like this motherfucker is ruining my life uh i must destroy him and so yeah, at first, uh, she's just, like, is trying to figure out how to, like, beat him and, like, reclaim her, her throne. Uh, and then out of nowhere, he, like, asks her out, and she's, like, she, she's so shocked that she's, like, fuck, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, because she's initially really, like, pleased with herself that she's gotten one over on this guy by him thinking that she's hot and her not reciprocating his feelings. Right. So at first she's like, wait. First she's like, what the fuck happened? And then she's like, haha, one zero and me. Uh, and then for some reason he drops by her house on the weekend to bring her a Brahms CD. Oh right, because yeah, because because this, yeah, you know, I... this is my this is my this is my maybe my favorite tiny bit of writing in the whole show because Brahms is exactly the person that somebody who doesn't like classical music would say is their favorite classical composer. It is dead on. It is so perfect. If you actually like classical music, your answer will be Bach or Beethoven. Um, you know, but if you say Brahms. 
And I don't hate Brahms. Brahms is fine. But, like, come on, he's Brahms. <laughs> Brahms is exactly the motherfucking person that this lady would would say to... Because he's, he's, he's obscure. People haven't really necessarily heard of Brahms. Uh, you know, but he's still boring as shit. It's not like he's, you know, he's not like uh, like Debussy or, or Satie, like who who actually make interesting weird music in the 19th century. He's Brahms. He's making stuff that sounds like it's from 100 years ago, for 100 years before he was alive, and that was like 200 years ago. So yeah, so like their their initial, their initial <laughs> conversations are just like her trying to kind of like subtly one up him, and then so like he asks her what music she listens to, and like really she listens to like trashy pop or something, uh, but she says Brahms, and so he comes by with a Brahms album, and so um, it's the weekend, everyone's out, she's like lazing around in her sweatpants uh, with her glasses on. Uh, <sighs> And then she assumes it's her little sister her having forgotten something. And so she, like, leaps out the door barefoot and, like, accidentally kicks him in the chest and inadvertently ruins her life. Uh, because now he knows she's not perfect. Yeah, she's and then he... a fucking weirdo. Yeah, she, I, like, and, and it, it was at this moment, I just, I couldn't. It was incomprehensible to me. The <laughs> idea that anybody would care. And like, that, and like and like and like that would and that would be like sufficient blackmail yeah, material. That would be sufficient blackmail material for anybody to care. If if he went around being like, hey, Miyazawa wears sweatpants on Sundays. I can't fucking imagine a universe in which anyone would give even the tiniest shit. About that, and it wouldn't just reflect so badly on Arima for him yeah. thinking that that was a revelatory right, thing, exactly. like that, like that. It's so, it's so out of control. It's incredible. It's incredible. So, so, uh, so she's like, "Oh fuck! Oh shit! Oh fuck! Oh shit! Oh fuck! Oh shit!" And then, obviously, because this is a shoujo, a rom com. Um, what he does is blackmail her into helping him with his work so he can maintain his status as a, an ideal student. Uh, and somehow this causes her to fall in love with him. Yeah, I, that was, it, it, I remained confused through the entire show why she liked Likes Arima. <laughs> Because the show does such a bad job of selling you on how this guy is great. Yeah, I mean, like, like because he 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 feels like because it. Cause I did at one point in my notes write like Alex, you want to talk about fucking wish fulfillment? <laughs> uh, because he he is this sort of just like perfect model guy at least at the beginning you know he's like handsome and he's tall and he plays sports and he does all this stuff you know and he's and he's nice you know he's he, nice he, you know he doesn't talk too much he doesn't talk over <laughs> you like he acts like he acts exact like it is like a sort of startling window into what straight women want i was gonna say like in a, a lot of like a lot of i i i get i from the what limited exposure i've had to like media directed squarely at like straight women like the the male love interest is generally 
far less interesting than the female protagonist. And like, I think that that's generally the case because I mean, like, the female protagonist is supposed to be the one that you identify with, and yeah. the other guy is just like you know a meat hunk. I mean, like, it's exactly it's just, the same thing. He, as like, he, he, he's just whoever he's just whoever you are in love with. You, yeah. You, or with, he's just a bunch of nice qualities that you can project whatever onto. Yeah. Like, Which is makes it so much weirder and so much worse when they try to like give him a tragic backstory oh god yeah his yeah. tragic backstory is so stupid it's and i hate like, it like it's just the most like edgy soap opera trash yeah just fucking stu- like oh i feel so bad for you that you were raised in a rich family that hates you and you have everything that you've ever wanted given to you by your loving parents eat my dick <laughs> Oh God! Um, but yeah, like there was that one um, screenshot I did where like um, one of the characters is talking to Yukino, and he's like, "Oh, I guess she's cute when she's not talking," and like unironically, yeah. that's how a lot of like female, like like heterosexual women directed media represents their own female love interest like because it's because it's the same it's the same with like like stuff for for hetero men it's like the the loser gets the girl uh except gender swap like the the female protagonist is never like a remarkable person she's always just like yeah a a fucking weirdo usually yeah it's just Uh, it's pure it, like, because, like, and like, the thing is, is it would be one thing if she was a weirdo, but she. The thing is, is that she gets to have her cake and eat it too, and that she's both a weirdo and beloved by everyone throughout the entire show. I hate her so much. She is like, like this show, like, because I understand what the show is, which is that it's wish fulfillment for its audience, its presumed sort of young high school aged female audience, which is, is that it, it's just like, oh, I want to be, you know, this girl who has everything, you know, she, she has a family that loves her and she has, you know, she's really great in school and she has this hot boyfriend and a lot of friends and all that stuff. And like, yeah, she has troubles and stuff like that, but she overcomes them all with her wit and ingenuity, you know, and it's, it's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It, it like it, that, like that's what it's supposed to be. But yeah. they like they made her too perfect. You mm-hmm. know, like she's such a. And this is supposed to be a show about like oh how even even the best girl you know the mo- the most model student girl in your class you know is a fucking slob at home you know <laughs> you know but it it, it just like. None of it matters. None of it. None of it matters. She just lives a fucking perfect life and then has a baby and then dies. Oh, God. You know, well. like she just lives a fucking. She just lives a fucking perfect, beautiful life, and I, I hate her so much. Um, <laughs> I, I, I should say I grew to like Miyazawa more over the course of the show. I, I grew to like Arna yeah. less. Oh well. Um, yeah. So yeah. So they start dating. Uh, there's an, a completely insane incident in episode four that i read about where like they've agreed they're both going to stop pretending to be model students whatever the fuck that means um and she's like sitting in she's like sitting outside and like relishing all of the boys watching her read a jd salinger novel and they're like salinger so romantic and i'm like and i'm like you know that the catcher in the rye is a book in which its protagonist is lonely and sad in a hotel room and decides to call a prostitute and then is too nervous to do anything with her so he just leaves 
You know that the, the Catcher in the Rye is a book where the, where the how to talk about books you haven't read, not like this. Yeah, you know that the Catcher in the Rye is a book where the protagonist at one point goes to a payphone and decides that he wants to give one of his friends a call, but then he realizes that there is nobody on Earth who wants to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, the the kind of like bizarre like references to western literature like <laughs> like at the end where like her her little sister is like i'm feeling very camus like the best the best one the absolute best when one she's is being stalked by like when by someone. uh when fucking long tall boy who used to be short fat boy uh when he like details his revenge plot against sakura and uh and uh miyazawa just like shouts get the counter body crystal <laughs> Right, right, right. Um. <laughs> Which, in fairness, is also what I was thinking when he was describing that elaborate revenge flies. And yeah, like, this yeah. is just the Count of Cristo. His, his long exile and then his return for revenge. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, episode that, yeah. four was around the time that I first had to mute the audio and just read the subtitles to it in order to tolerate the show. That only happened a couple of times. <laughs> Um, I will say, like the like the the music is is good. The music uh, is good. I I did like the music. Uh, it's a shame that I mostly heard it at one point five times speed. Because uh, I watched after about episode three or four, I started watching the show at one point five times speed. And then when I got to episode twenty six, I was like, oh well, it's the last episode. I should watch it at normal speed. And then I slowed it down, and I made it about five minutes into the show, but into the episode before I was just like, I can't fucking do this. It turned the speed back up because this show. Is so slow. Every shot hangs yeah. for a thousand years. Right. That, yeah. That's why you were like freaking out when I said like efficient. Only sometimes. Yeah. Only, like, I, there I was thinking mostly of Maho's like subplot, partly because Maho's the only character I care about in this show. She's good. I care. Uh, I actually like all of uh, all of Miyazawa's friends. All the girls. All the girls yeah, are great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here's let's now let's let's just jump ahead to fucking episode ten or whatever. We can so episodes one through nine ish, eight or nine are the other thing, the other thing that I noticed. Miyazawa. Epi- huh? The other thing I noticed at around episode nine was at the end of the opening says like good good luck RML good luck Miyazawa. This world exists for the two of you. And I and I wrote down Marge Simpson voice. It's true, but they shouldn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> they they repeat that line a, multi, a number of times. Mm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, so so episodes like one through eight or one through nine are Miyazawa and Arima, and they're boring. Uh, and then we get like three excellent episodes the, um, when there are other because fe- other female characters get introduced. Yes. So so, so yeah. So so uh, Arima f- leaves to go to kendo tournament. Yeah. Before then, we get Maho and Shibahime introduced. Um, uh, at, at high school so we have there's an episode where maho and she shibahime are introduced and shibahime is this like little uh short girl with uh big blonde hair and huge eyes and she yeah, is really so, cute uh she's she's the one who makes who first makes me as a question her sexuality <laughs> and then and then maho does the same um well yeah i mean, I mean that's that's what i just started making like non-stop jokes on 
um oh yeah i messed like, up about how about how, how gay it could be if if they yeah, had I, any goddamn I, principles if i had the time and the, and the energy to do this i would just cut together all of the gayest moments in the show and make a yeah. single episode of a much better yuri anime yeah 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 um because yeah when she first sees uh tsubasa shibahime like she's she just like it does it just does the the, the the standard thing you see when like you see like the love of your life uh it turns out tsubasa is just this shitty little goblin uh, yeah, she's, great. I love her. <laughs> she's she's hilarious like she's so cute and i love her so much she's such a little fucking gremlin she's <laughs> so she's she's um childhood friend of arima's and she's been in love with him the entire time and um because he has all his bullshit trauma like he doesn't he didn't really get close to people but because he'd already known her for whatever he he kind of gave her special treatment and he treated her like a little sister um which she let herself believe was romantic and so, well, she didn't let herself believe it was romantic. She let herself believe that he... She essentially convinced herself that he was asexual. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, and, that's true, actually. Yeah, and that yeah. he would never love anybody. So she but, would tolerate being his little sister because yeah. she, he would never love anyone. Which is basically uh, the same the same dynamic she has with her dad. Yeah. Uh, like, and it's why she freaks out when he remarries. Uh, but... And then so, she, she hits a rock she, on her skateboard and... <laughs> So she's the same. So she's the same age as them, even though she looks like she's yeah. eight years old. But she's the same age, but she she missed the beginning of school because she hit a wall of rocks on her skateboard and was buried under them overnight. <laughs> Multiple times they bring us up with a little hand, like yeah, like ch- little... children drawn animation. It's the funniest shit. It's so fucking funny. God, they're like if this show was. If the, like the thing that made me so mad about the show was that if the show was good, it would be great. Like right, if the right. show was like this show could have been amazing. This could have been one of the greatest anime of all time, and instead, it's this. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah. It's, it's and so, uh, but so okay. So she's but she's out of the hospital. She's back at school. Time to get some head pats from Arima. But what the fuck? He's got a girlfriend. And so she flips her little tiny wig um, and starts basically challenging, slapping uh, Meza with a glove like they do in Monte Cristo every time <laughs> they meet. Uh, and. Uh, my name is Indigo Montoya. You stole my boyfriend. Prepare to die. <laughs> and yeah, and, 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 and yeah, their dynamic is. is, is fantastic yeah that episode is so good because she shiba Hime just like chases her around just like the entire town and is constantly just like jumping her and but then yeah then yeah and then, uh shiba Hime's friends are just like ex- incredibly embarrassed by the whole thing and so yeah. at one point they just like call me as out over and like we're really really sorry about this uh let us know if she does anything too out of hand uh and and then she becomes friends with them uh much to shibahime's dismay uh oh well, she these, eventually becomes friends with shibahime but, but yeah i mean shibahime eventually falls in love with miyazawa um but that's <laughs> let's let's get let's get let's get to that and buries her face in her boobs but let's get to that when we get to that um while she's still being tormented by Shibahime, a new challenger approaches uh, Maho Izawa, 
the hottest girl in the school. I'll in edit sc- in the Super Smash school. Bros. sound. <laughs> um, and the most obviously gay of the lot. Yes. So she... I mean, except for the one who literally just constantly talks about how much she loves pretty girls and wants to be surrounded by them. <sighs> yeah. But, like... You, you caught the bit at the end where... Um, oh, yeah, be a bad ending? Uh, fuck that. Oh, no, 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 yeah, fuck that. We're not going to talk about that. But I'm talking about at the end when Maho, um, like, scares off the boys who are harassing Miyazawa uh, and company. And then uh, Miyazawa and they're like, Aniki! Like, calling her big brother. Uh, and then... So there's that, and then then when all the other girls in the class are like swooning over the idea that Maho's going to play a man in the play, it does. All of the the relationships with Miyazawa and her friends just made me. I mean, it made me wish I was watching either Azumanga Daio or Gekkan Shoujo Zaki Kun, because those shows do that way better. Yeah, um, uh, but anyway, Maho is like she had a similar position as Miyazawa in her in her middle school and but then she realized Miyazawa was better at the whole perfect model student bit when they when they met in high school and so Maho got sidelined so she's bitter and extremely confused about why she can't stop thinking about Miyazawa um and so she kind of starts spreading poison into the into the ears of the of the classmates that uh Miyazawa is a conniving little bitch essentially and to get everyone to basically shun Miyazawa. Yeah. And it works for a time. And so that so with that and Shibahime's constant predations um Miyazawa is 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 cursing the gods until which which thing which 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 of them breaks first Shibahime or Maho Shibahime I think right cuz right cuz yeah. right cuz what what helps what helps Miyazawa can kind of gain the strength to confront Maho and like assert herself and uh, deal with that whole thing is, is actually having friends yeah. which she more or less didn't until yeah. now because she was so busy about putting a putting on a perfect face that she didn't really let herself be vulnerable to anyone um yeah but she admires but first, not friends yeah first it was arima and now it's her these female friends and so uh eventually so she eventually she becomes friends with uh, Shibahime's friends. So these are Tsubaki, the lesbian fuckboy, Aya, the irony-poisoned smoker, uh, Rika, her little, who's Aya's little kind of painfully sincere girlfriend. The, like, their introductions is the funniest fucking thing. So, like, Aya talks about how, like, what, like how she's how she knows that she's a huge asshole and kind of takes <laughs> advantage of Rika's kindness constantly. And then because of that, when Rika like compliments her writing or compliments her, she just like can't fucking handle it because she, like 
she can't deal with like that level of goodness from someone <laughs> like who she is not really very nice to and how it just how it just fucking kills her when pure little Rika is like this is such a wonderful short story you've written or something yeah it's, <laughs> it's really so good and really goddamn cute. funny um <clears throat> and then Subaki has this hilarious little <clears throat> um kind of what's the the superheroes or like origin story um when she met uh Shibahime and <laughs> basically hit on her from one four-year-old to another because she's she's been a lesbian fuckboy her entire life uh and so yeah this is this is Miyazawa's new crew and so then uh yeah the girls in her class are like uh oh she's hanging out with the the girls from class b like along at this time they've started to like wonder if maho might not have an ulterior motive in being such a bitch yeah because so the, the other thing about this is that all of these girls have like a sort of like a weird council hive mind where they all of the high school <laughs> girls who are not named characters just sort yeah. of like act and think in just complete perfect unison it's right, so right. strange uh and so and so then at some point um Miyazawa confronts Maho in class and is like, yeah, I I put on a front. I like, like, I'm I, I'm kind of an asshole, but I I I played up the model student. Um, yeah, if that's what you hate about me, say it instead of this whole bullshit. Uh, and then Maho hits her or something, and they and they get in the fight. And then the class is like, I. Are we the baddies? Sorry, <laughs> they have that sort of moment, uh, and then after much after much little hive mind counseling, they decide to apologize to Miyazawa. But unfortunately, at the at, this is the same day that uh, Shibahime stole Miyazawa's picture of Arima and tore it in two, which led to Miyazawa chasing Shibihime across the entire campus uh up and down the roofs on the through like through the through the through the sewers uh this hilarious like chase sequence uh leaving complete carnage in, in their wake <clears throat> and so they were all they're all too afraid to apologize to Miyazawa um I think it happens eventually though and because Maho didn't actually hate Miyazawa, she more just kind of was in love with her. Uh, she kind of touches her lips a little bit, and then they become friends. She puts her fingers <laughs> in her mouth and then smiles. It's the wanted... gayest thing I've ever seen. Um, and then becomes and then becomes one of Miyazawa's little um, little friends. And it's adorable and gay, and let's pretend nothing ever happens after that. Until Tsubaki or Aya says, hey, you two lesbians, the bells rang. <laughs> uh, and, then awesome, nothing, nothing yeah. ha- and then nothing happens after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so these, we should so, also so these... probably introduce, we skipped over the introduction of Asalaba. 
Uh, right, right. Well, let's let's wrap up this arc first. So that I think we did actually. So that's yeah, those, it's like those two or three episodes when Arima is off at camp and um, Miyazawa gets to kind of like actually yeah. There's a really deal with gay, other real people. A, a different gay scene with uh, Asaba and Arima where Asaba just gives him a thousand paper cranes. <laughs> yeah, before he leaves. Before so, he leaves, it's the cutest thing. So yeah, so. Uh, Asaba is kind of the the chaotic bisexual himbo, I guess. Yeah, that's a good way show. to describe him. Uh, so he is introduced uh, somewhere episode five ish, um, and as like the other cool boy in the school alongside Arima. And then he finds out that Arima is dating Miyazawa and is And he wants pissed. to monopolize all of the girls for himself. Right. So he, he needs Arima in to, to kind of help help lure all the girls to him so he can build his little harem. But he's also in love with Arima. Oh yeah, obviously. Probably more than he is with any of any all the girls put together, um, and so he and Miyazawa fight a lot, uh, and then stop fighting. I forget how. Uh, no, it's because he. Um, so he goes after Miyazawa and tries to convince her that Arima doesn't actually like her, and then he has an interaction with Arima that convinces him. That Miyazawa, that he actually does love Miyazawa. Yeah, Arima is like, what the fuck did you say to her? Uh, And then... Which is a very similar thing to the Shibahime thing, because... uh, Which sort of goes the other way, where Miyazawa... Shibahime takes Arima's wallet and then burns the picture of Miyazawa that's inside of it, and then that's what prompts Miyazawa to destroy her. Right, 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 right. Uh, And then, yeah, and then Asaba joins their crew of friends um as kind of like the court jester (laughs) and he's ridiculous and he's great uh apparently apparently dresses as a dadaist um (laughs) he dresses just as a hippie (laughs) i know but what is this dadaist (laughs) why are you dressed like a dadaist (laughs) yeah it's like he doesn't look like marcel duchamp what the fuck yeah, are you talking that's, about? That's another of those, like the bizarre like Western art references that I'm just like yeah. wait, <laughs> that's not dataism. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so where are we at? So yeah, so some it's like so, yeah, yeah, so, so there's there some there high, episodes so, wait, wait, after the uh, after the, well, I want to talk girls. about some oh, okay. high points up until then. Um. So yeah, there's some good kind of representations of interiority, like when Miyazawa is kind of freaking out about her recently discovered attraction to him, uh, and when we get that for the first um, bit of live action, this sort of like weird kind of backwards tunnel vision. Um, moving shot do you remember that one uh I, no i, I don't I really think... remember most of the interiority shots because unlike you i didn't okay. like them 
Uh, okay. Um, uh, it, the All of the interiority stuff in this show made me understand people who think Shinji is a whiny baby. <laughs> it made me understand, finally, like, people who just really can't stand Ava and can't stand the interiority stuff in Ava. Because I'm like, oh, this must be how they see the stuff in Ava. <laughs> Because for me, the stuff in Ava is like, oh, I totally understand. Like, I, I totally can put myself in your position and empathize. And, like, and and, and it, it feels, like, metaphorically resonant with stuff that I've experienced. And all of the stuff in this show is just incomprehensible. It's just I can't imagine worrying about any of the things that these people worry about. Yeah, well, I, th- I don't, like, I didn't really... I identify with anyone in either show um and so maybe it's more just like stylistically i prefer these yeah. ones i actually but... i have to stylistically like like these a little less i i don't know it's, it's hard to say there are some of these that i like more and some of them that i i don't like as much um yeah. i think that oftentimes these can be funnier mm. um <laughs> you know like they um you know, and they, there are a lot more of them, so they feel a lot more integrated with the whole show versus mm, the yeah, Ava ones, yeah. which sort of only start to happen near the end of the near the end of the series, and they only sort of happen like once an episode. Yeah, but yeah, the new, there are other kind of like Ano signature things, like the hand drawn sort of uncolored yeah. panels, like. Um, they do that a lot case, specifically in the romance scenes where they right and i was gonna like say that wisp, wispy like and it works like, very well to kind of drawn. like give give you that kind of um imaginative distance yeah that that lets you kind of um fill it in yeah and, um and it it works pretty well until they fuck and then it feels like a mass effect cutscene. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that that didn't really. So, well, that, yeah, partly because, probably because of the of the TV guidelines. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, I know why it's like that. I mean, <laughs> you can't just show two high schoolers banging on television. <laughs> um, but it is just like it does. Just uh, there's a. There's a bit where he he says pretty directly to her like we should fuck. And yes! she's, and she's like you mean in the spiritual way, right? Yeah, she said I, I think you're ta- I think you're talking about something a little bit more spiritual. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah, in my notes right here, like Arima, I want to have sex, Miyazawa. Like in a spiritual way? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... And then, no, but in, in that very episode, they do. No, have sex. in that very uh, episode, they do have sex <laughs> in a very material way. But Paul Marks would be proud. Uh, yeah. That, my other note for that episode was: we're trying to make Arima into the Shinji this late in the game, uh, because I remember I, I was when we were uh, kind of posting through the pain on discard about it i said something about um, miyazawa being the the shinji and it was because like her kind of crippling dependence on other people's approval and uh her lack of kind of 
self-worth etc etc yeah um, it becomes the should you relate the game uh yeah and real fast yeah. and it just doesn't work because nobody nobody cares i don't care about him i don't care if right. he lives or dies <laughs> and so yeah it, so i think in that same yeah right after they have sex miyazawa's in the bath just like that that fucking ruled and <laughs> yeah and, <laughs> yes sex. and arima is having a fucking breakdown where his like evil <clears throat> Like yeah. self comes out and says, "Whoa! So you think you can become happy now, huh? You think because you got then, your dick wet, you're gonna be happy? Uh, think again, and, Bucko. You're never gonna be yeah. happy, no matter how much you fuck." And so we let's see. We've we've skipped ahead. This is episode eighteen. So not a whole lot happens between the good episodes. There is a, there is a completely insane bit in episode sixteen where uh, where, where where Miyazawa's dad starts yes like, yes yeah, he, yeah. he's like he he goes full Donald Trump and he uh, and he's like you know I met your mother when she was a freshman in high school and now you're her age so you know whenever I look at you I start to feel a little weird and I was like what dude dude. Dude, yeah, don't say yeah, that. Yeah, don't say yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, uh, There's also a bit in episode 15 where Arima uh, talks about, uh, <sighs> is like talking to uh, to Miyazawa on the phone and mentions that he's been through a growth spurt uh, and that he's now 172 centimeters tall, <laughs> which right, right. I then looked up and Arima is five foot six. We <laughs> we stand we stand a short king. Um, we do not stand in that shirt can but yeah no this uh, the fucking gro- yeah some of the fucking gross shit uh which i'm gonna I, i'm pretty sure it's all down in the manga like let's not oh, yeah. let's not put ano on the hook for this yeah do no. you know do you know who do you know who uh asaba ends up with no uh, post fact in the in the like after the in the manga oh yeah i read this on the wikipedia page miyazawa oh. and arima's daughter the worst possible answer. She fucking pulled a Twilight. She fucking did. She fucking did the Twilight thing. That happens in Twilight. That happens in Twilight. Jacob falls in love with Edward and Bella's daughter. Jesus fucking Christ. Well, aren't they immortal? At least isn't that like a is like like they're no, no lift. The, the being immortal makes it actually worse because Edward is like thousands of years older than Bella. Oh yeah, that that whole shit is. I thought I thought he made her immortal though. He makes her immortal, but that doesn't make her as old as him. Right, 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 right. But I'm saying like, like, like. It. I don't if care. You, if you, if it's you, still if you, fucked up to fall yeah, in love yeah, with a baby. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, yeah, it's 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 turbo fucked. And um, and yeah, let's not get into the well. Let's get into the retconning of uh, Tsubaki and Maho's lesbianism. Uh, so like. Maho in the text says like she felt something like love towards Miyazawa, be, like th- in virtue of her obsession. Uh, and then, and then, and then, guess and then. What 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 episode is it? Seventeen. Um, like Miyazawa goes over to her house and they're talking. Uh, and then hey, it turns out she's dating a fucking twenty-eight-year-old dentist. Oh yeah, that's so fucked up. When she's, she's like, dating the dentist, she's dating the dentist lady from Penguin Highway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Hey, 
everybody, if you remember at the beginning of the episode, there was that content warning about sexual assault. We're about to start talking about it. So if that's going to upset you, you can skip ahead like two minutes, two or three minutes in the podcast and we should be done talking about it. So just wanted to let you know it's about to happen. Be aware. And yeah, then... my only note for episode 17, and I remember why I made this note, is Arama fucking sucks, dude. Why did you make that one? So the thing that happens at the end of episode 17 is this is the episode before before they fuck for real. But this is, is the episode the f- where, where Arima comes home and Miyazawa is like trying to tell him like, oh, I've come to love you so much more, but she can't find the courage to do that. And so she runs away and oh, he right. shows his whole ass and is like literally, if I am reading this scene correctly, like seconds away from raping her. Uh, when you know what happens in the in the in the manga? Does it actually happen? Later, but yeah. Oh, uh, God, he's such a prick, and the show doesn't seem to think that he is. I know, I know. Like that's that's part of the reason why, like, I I was so pissed off during the very last episode because you can see where it's going, and like, yeah, that um, there's yeah, the article I was reading um, about kind of the historical context, and yeah, then I've. I came across the thing. News Network article you linked me? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and it links to a longer thing we'll about the show notes. what happens after the fact. Uh, and he rapes her. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the show and the manga ends with them still together, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, because this show. Because, like, if the show ended with them breaking up. And if the show ended with, like, because uh, Aram's problem is that he's an uh, an asshole and a wet blanket and nobody likes him and nobody should like him because he has nothing to offer to anybody. And he, rather than addressing that, because Miyazawa has that same problem at the beginning, but they diverge because Miyazawa addresses that by becoming a better person and, like, making friends and becoming, and, like, just sort of learning to live in the world and accept other people. And Arama doesn't. Yeah. And then Arama is just rewarded for continuing to just, like, just spiral deeper into his fucking neurotic insanity bullshit yeah, as he my becomes very, a my, worse and worse person. My very last note was he's all the, like, toxic masculinity of Shinji without any of the consequences. Yeah, like, Shinji, when Shinji, at the end, at the end of the show, Shinji, like, comes to accept his value as a person and the value of other people and understands that other people can't give him what he wants. He has to, you know, like, like his, he can put goodness into the world and it will come back to him and that will make him happier than trying to leech off of other people and yeah in end of eva and end of eva every single woman on that goddamn show screams at him for being a misogynistic asshole and then he's alone at the end of the world forever yeah and like i don't know what anna was planning on doing if this show had continued I hope to God uh, he had. I think in the in that article, it it there's he's never he's never like spoken in at length about it. So, but there is speculation that he was planning kind of in, to diverge increasingly from the from the manga. Yeah, uh, because I mean, like if if End of Eva and the ending of the show tell us anything, it's that Hideaki Ano has no fucking time for misogynist dude bros. Yeah, yeah. Um, but God. 
All right, the sexual assault discussion is over. Uh, you can hear it now. Uh, so if you hear this, you know we're not going to be talking about sexual assault again for the rest of the episode. You're safe. And then, yeah, then kind of like insult to injury is Tubaki, like the, the lesbian fuckboy. Um, She's great. Like, I love her so much. Getting paired off with a uh, tall weirdo. God, uh, he's so like the, my only one of my only notes on it was he's so long. Like I don't <laughs> talk like, I, I don't even feel like like tall is the correct word to use with him. He's, <laughs> yeah, just, he's, yeah, long. he's just long, just stretched. Yeah, like he's uh, just like yeah, he looks like hand pulled noodles. So so yeah so. I hadn't like I hadn't been like oh, of course the lesbian is, is is the one who's a bully. Uh, so when Takafumi emerges, he's the one with 20, the Count of Monte Cristo revenge. Twenty ish. Yeah. So we learned that he he grew up in the area, um, was ruthlessly bullied uh, by lots of people, including Tsubaki, uh, especially Tsubaki. Yeah. Um, and, then, and for the record, his little baby self is really cute. I know! He's got the big cheeks and the, the, the blush on the cheeks. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah. I love him. And so... And, and so, then he yeah. grows up and he becomes like a long weirdo. Yeah, and so he, he then he... And his family moves away, and he kind of like goes through a rigorous, um, like, revenge-driven, um, yeah. like, regimen of, of muscle building or something. Uh and then he comes back really long, <laughs> uh, determined to get revenge on Tsubaki. He, got, he like got strapped in the machine with the Princess Bride and just stretched him out. <laughs> no, no, the Princess Bride is the thing that just like sucks your life yeah, out. Yeah, it sucks your life out. You're, th- you're thinking of Polyphemus, the ancient Greek thing, where like he he you get you he puts you. He lets you try his bed, and if you're too long, he cuts your feet off. He's too short. He stretches you to fit. Uh, <laughs> okay, so anyway, that's what he was he was too short. He, um, yeah, he had the surgery. He had the that knee addition surgery and that so, all the kids are raving about. He's got extra and knees. And so, after a long, extremely tedious bit of soul searching, uh, he realizes that kind of he's in love with her, uh, and then he kisses her, and she's like, "What?" The? She's like, "Huh?" And he's like, "Huh?" Um, and that's pretty much all that happens in the show, in the in the manga. They get married and fuck that. Um, the manga isn't canon. The manga, the manga sounds bad. It's God. It yeah. It's a like how like many how many like fucked up notions are you gonna like? I I get on, I I get on. I sometimes complain about like contemporary comics that are aimed at like young people um only because the majority of like queer comics are a that demographic and so they end up there ends up being a lot of the same sort of thing which just which isn't it's just a lot of the same sort of thing and a lot of the same sort of thing that isn't for me um but at least like they don't perpetuate this insanely toxic bullshit yeah this uh, show like like the show it like near the end a lot of that sort of toxic stuff starts to creep in somewhat unavoidably and yeah. it is it like i i cannot imagine just how much more toxic and just how much worse of a way to view yourself like and, and a way to view women the yeah. the manga provides like it's just it's harrowing <laughs> 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ugh. Um. So the Android play. So that the, never gets resolved, by the way. So like no, the, the last doesn't. arc, the last arc that they have in Karakano is about. Miyazawa and her friends going to put on a play about some androids on the moon or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the last the last six episodes or so are like all I like first six parts of I don't know how many parts it was supposed to be. <laughs> it just kind yeah. of ended. And then the show uh, just ends. And but it's, they're all about the lead up to the, the culture festival. Uh, and one thing that happens is that Aya writes a play. She's the she's the irony poisoned cool girl who smokes and so much. has a has a little has a little extremely offline girlfriend uh and so she writes a play and she wants she basically writes it with um shibahime 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 i i i never think that's right because i think of shiba's yeah you think of shiba inu <laughs> yeah yeah um anyway she, she, she writes it with miyazawa maho and uh, Shiba the good Hime news is, is that the part of that that means dog is Inu and not Shiba. Yeah, it, but but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because Shiba Hime is a little dog. Um, she is like half the time on screen. She's just represented in this, this turbo chibi mode, like eating something. Yeah, <laughs> she's so good. Hilarious. I love her. I want to hug her so uh, bad. Th- there's there's one scene when the the girls are all like at a cafe talking, and then. Uh, this I think it's the very beginning when they're like introducing each other to Miyazawa, and Miyazawa's all impressed by Aya being a writer, Rika being like really good at um, like crafting things, uh, Maho just being smart and hot, uh, Tsubaki being good at sports. <laughs> just like they're all they have, all have normal representations. Um, Shibahime just has her little chibi representation. Just as an arrow has no talents. <laughs> It has no talents whatsoever. It's, it's so good. Um, but anyway, so Aya writes this play with with the Miyazawa, Maho, and Shibahime in mind, and um, somehow convinces. Well, she convinces Miyazawa to write it because uh, Miyazawa realizes she doesn't really do anything other than like study and like pine over this shithead yeah. and so she reads it she's like this is cool i want to do it and then because maho's a in love with her and b still feels guilty about bullying her earlier uh she puts a <laughs> the shot of like miyazawa holding her by like a collar <laughs> and being like we'll, we'll do the play i was like yes that's that's pretty much their relationship in a nutshell yep uh and so i forget what so the gist of the play is that there's this scientist who creates an android yeah it's a scientist who invented androids and then he's trapped on the moon with the first android he ever invented and the most recent android he's invented yeah and then like all i could kind of extract symbol wise was like the idea of artificially creating a perfect like person uh, yeah, um, it doesn't like most most manga plays within the play are not very yeah good or useful. <laughs> uh, yeah, also it's a bad play. That's a bad that's a bad idea for a play. Well, not necessarily. I mean, it's better than it could be, but it's like. 
we don't we don't, I, we, we I don't mean, really other, know what we don't yeah. know what happens at all like we don't know what happens in it we just fair, have the, the, the bare, it did, most bare bones it did primarily make me think of forbidden planet um what is that forbidden planet is a sci-fi movie from the 50s that is basically a sci-fi uh, version of the tempest i feel like it i feel like it i i prefer given what i is like that it's just like a sci-fi version of no exit uh, by sarth <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that could be it that's actually yeah that makes perfect sense but anyway so if you yeah if you didn't get anything more out of the out of that out of that whole little thread than i did we can um we can forget about it yeah i don't i didn't really okay my only note on episode 22 is ugh <laughs> what happens in episode 22 I, I I don't know. I didn't take notes didn't, on it. I didn't take a single note about episode twenty-two. Uh, <laughs> uh, the plot summary. It's probably just uh, probably just Arima stuff. Yukino and Maho assume lead parts in the play written by Aya Sawada. The girls form a drama club where Mr. Kawashima is a supervisor. Meanwhile, Arima becomes increasingly jealous jealous and feels left out as Yukino spends a lot of time with her new friends. We also learn that Yukino's younger sister, Kano, is a big fan of Aya's stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is when, um, uh, what's his face? Takefumi starts becoming friends with miyazawa and arima gets insanely jealous over it yeah uh and yeah so like there's this whole shit at the end when asaba pulls takafumi aside and is like don't get too close to miyazawa arima will get pissed about it and we don't really unpack that yeah it's like it doesn't seem to think that it's bad that arima is a controlling asshole or yeah. if it thinks that it's bad, it doesn't ever deal with it. it right. I mean, p- to be fair, the show got cut off. Yeah. Uh, and so it may- maybe uh, Anno is planning. Well, we know Anno wasn't planning on dealing with it because uh, episode 17 on, he kind of took a step back because yeah. he was getting frustrated with uh, partly television restrictions because there was that... Um, that Pokemon episode that made everyone start foaming at the mouth. Yeah, so there was a, an episode of Pokemon on Tokyo TV that had a lot of uh, epilepsy had, triggers. Yeah, it had this one specific moment where like a Pokemon shoots a fucking flashing red and blue laser out of its mouth, and and like every, hundreds of people were hospitalized. Yeah, because of that, it was fucked yeah. up. Uh, yeah, and so Tokyo TV was like, we're putting much stricter controls on what can what you can do. Bas- basically, like any possible epileptic triggers were not allowed. And if you've seen Ava, there's a lot of flashing lights in Ava. And so Anno was like, this is going to cause problems for how I'd like to do animation. Uh, So it was partly frustration over that. And partly, I think, apparently... The specific guidelines, I I actually found a list of the specific guidelines, which was that that flashing images, especially those with red, should not flicker faster than three times per second. If the image does not have red, it should not flicker faster than five times per second. Flashing images should not be displayed for a total duration of more than two seconds, and stripes, whirls, and concentric circles should not take up a large part of the television screen. Yeah. So yeah, that, that like that's. Which, if you've ever seen Ava, those three things are Anna's <laughs> whole bag. <laughs> uh, so there, yeah, so there is that. Uh, Tokyo TV strike at the heart of Anna. Yeah. Uh, and most likely also issues with 
his, yeah. his work with the authors. So yeah. from episode 17 on, instead of having his name on the episodes, he had his name in katakana as if he would, as if it was like a foreign loan word or something. Um, yeah. Um, and that, that really, I think speaks to the problem with this show, which is that Ava had a really troubled production. Um, yeah. you know, with, with there was direction changes midway through and there was the Tokyo sarin gas attacks and budgetary constraints and all this just crazy shit that happened during the production of Ava. But that show still turned out really great because, Everybody working on it seemed to be on the same page as far as the story that they wanted to tell. Like, everybody who was working on Ava knew what they were making, and they all agreed on what... on on what they were doing. They all agreed on that. that. Kari Kano feels like it was made by a bunch of people who could not agree on what the show they were making even was. And no doubt, yeah. I mean, that's... It feels feels like like an exquisite corpse. Like, it... it, Because it feels like it wants to be... Like, it, it... it wants to be like this goofy high school slice of life comedy, but it also wants to be a tender romantic love story, but it also wants to be this like psychosexual tragedy. And it, it can't balance all of those things, you know, because they're all, and it's definitely worse at the last one. (laughs) Um, You know, like if this show were just a goofy high school slice of life comedy, I think it would be a lot better. I don't think it would be great. Um, and I think that if this show, yeah, it it was definitely there was definitely some some uh, some tensions in the creative direction. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad. It, like it, it makes me sad because this, there's a lot in this show to like. Like there's a lot. Yeah, especially all of the characters except Arima, pretty much are really great. I really like all of them, and I really wish that I could have seen yeah. them in a better show. Mm-hmm. You know, that actually like mm-hmm. a show that they deserved to be in, <laughs> yeah, you know because yeah. like this this show just does it doesn't know what to do with these characters and with these people and it doesn't know how to explore all because like this show is like constantly it's it's very ups- obsessed with the idea of 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 selfhood it's obsessed with the idea of like oh like almost everybody in this show is pretending to be one sort of person but is actually a different kind of person like yeah. you know all all of these people have at least some little bit of that in 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 there you know and so that's sort of the major theme of the show is the idea of pretending to be something you're not and mm-hmm. it's just and that could be a really interesting theme but it's just not really explored in large part because it's in large part because it that theme doesn't really work with a romance story like yeah it 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 really mostly works with a story about a group of friends which this show also has within it but it spends so much time on this romance story but it's like but the two main characters their like problems with their fake selves are resolved by episode three you know (laughs) yeah we joked like oh the show's over yeah Uh, because like they they both like learned who, who themselves and the other person is they like start going out and it's like yeah. all right man oh god like they could <laughs> that kind of the show then they could have just got rid of arima had, had a slice of life with miyazawa and her friends yeah uh. it could have been so good uh. but yeah he this show it's it's just it's rough it's a rough watch i can't re- i can't recommend that anybody watch it you know right if i mean if you watch it watch like 
what are the, what are the good episodes when 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 Shibahime show up yeah uh, through to like as soon from the episode where Shibahime shows up to the episode where Arama arrives again yeah so episode yeah. start episode nine and end at episode 13 yeah uh, and then you'll have the best parts of the show the, the funny fucking thing is that that's the halfway point and then another uh signature ano thing is these completely out of control reviews or like review sequences yeah uh like they did that in ava because they were running out of budget they did uh, so to... so there is a little bit of context which is that those sorts of summaries were common they, right, for anime right. at the time because most uh, people in japan didn't own vcrs was um, it common to do like one and a half episodes uh yeah it was pretty common so like there were really? two reasons why one would do it one is to catch people up on the story especially at the end of an arc or at the beginning of a new arc mm-hmm. um and then also the other reason is to take up half of an episode if you didn't have the time or budget to finish an episode just take up half of the episode with recap you know it's the same reason why like there are like clip episodes of podcasts you know i Um, didn't know that i don't listen to podcasts yeah (laughs) you know clip shows Uh, are an institution in a variety of different media because they're so easy to produce okay but yeah like uh then there's these yeah these 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 uh bizarre supercut uh, with like weird stats about how many like like scene and cuts they had yeah. it was very silly I didn't watch much of the rerun episodes I looked right. at the plot summaries of the episodes on the on Wikipedia and just skipped the episodes that were that were repeats or like uh, there were summaries okay. um alright I think we've done Karakano justice <sighs> I think we've pretty much covered it yeah. uh don't watch it uh, Wait, no, watch watch nine through thirteen. They're fun. Yeah, watch those episodes. They're pretty fun. Uh, or just watch a place further than the universe instead, which is a good show. Yay! Uh, or watch Gekan Shoujo Nozaki Kun or Nishi Zhao or Azamanga Daio. Uh, those yeah, are all yeah. also great shows. Um, so, Alex, do you have a book to recommend? Uh, I guess so. Like, yeah, I had been planning. So, like, as I mentioned before, like. For some reason, quarantine has fucked up my brain, so I can't sit still long enough to read properly. Uh, so a couple months ago, I got the third uh, book in the Wolf Hall trilogy, uh, but I've only gotten like 100 pages pages into it. So instead, I'll recommend something that's A, better, and B, more topical to our, 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 our current times, which is one of Hilary Mantel's earlier books, uh, A Place of Greater Safety, which is a similar historical retelling of the French Revolution. Mm. So it follows um, Georges Danton, uh, Maximilien Robespierre, and Camille Desmoulins, among other people, um, from their youth up through uh, the, the terror of the French Revolution. And it, if you haven't read the Wolf Hall series, like, uh, it's what Hilary Mantel does in in this and in that trilogy is essentially try to um, tell a possible version of history, and so she kind of makes clear that she is filling in gaps and she is kind of taking what is known and and putting an interpretation on it and building it into a, a fictional 
historical narrative. Uh, but it's very good. Like, um, especially a place of greater safety, like the, her kind of examination of the possible motivations and kind of personal and internal lives of these characters is, is, uh, very good and very interesting about how, for example, Robespierre, Pierre, who was very close friends with, um, Desmoulins and Danton could, um, order them beheaded. Uh, and essentially become a murderous shithead. Uh, and so it's very long. It can be, it, it, it can be slow in places, but sometimes very funny, sometimes interesting. Um, and a place of greater safety by Hilary Mantel. All right. Uh, hmm. I'll recommend this other book tomorrow because so if we're uh, I can recommend something that is that is topical, uh, not to the show but to the general environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am going to recommend the book "The End of Policing" by Alex S. Vital, uh, uh-huh. which is a, a book about police abolition. Um, so I read this. Let me go get it. Uh, so yeah, so this is a book about police abolition. Um, And it sort of has its, I guess, thesis statement on the cover of the book, which says, The problem is not police training, police diversity, or police methods. The problem is the dramatic and unprecedented expansion and intensity of policing in the last 40 years. A fundamental shift in the role of police in society. The problem is policing itself. Um, And so this book essentially argues for a complete abolition of the of police the the police as an institution and argues that that is not i mean it's radical but it's not necessarily uh un it's not what's the, what's the word that i'm looking for it's not uh it's not unrealistic uh and it's not something that would be catastrophic it's not something that we couldn't do it's not pie in the sky it's not idealistic it is something that not only can we do it but we pretty much have to do it if we want justice and it points out it basically sort of methodically goes through a bunch of of arguments about about this and to this effect and talks about the ways that police get used in a variety of different ways that they are not appropriate for to solve problems the problems that police actually do solve and what what those problems are like what the actual purpose of police is it sort of gets a little Foucauldian there um you know talking about the way that police don't really exist to protect citizens the police don't really exist to uh to prevent bad things from happening they exist to protect the ruling class uh and also to enforce white supremacy um which we are seeing a lot of now mm-hmm. um, um so it's this book recently became i believe recently became available for free that you can read it, read online um so i will put a link to that in the description as well as the goodreads page like i normally do um yeah, this book is is really really great and really really vital reading. It is I think a lot of people maybe 5 or 6 years ago probably would have assumed like, oh, you know, things will change if we just, you know, if we if we disarm the police or if we um, you know, if we put body cameras on police, if we train them differently, if there are if there are different if we some if there's something we can change about the police that will make right. them kill black people less. Uh, and I think that what has been seen in the past five or six years is that that's not going to happen. You know, we saw, we saw with, with Eric Garner and with George Floyd very recently that police don't need guns to kill people. You know, they don't need, 
you know, we, we saw that with, I mean, we've seen both with both of those cases that police don't give a shit if they're on video when they kill people, you know, because they know that they'll get away with it even if they're on video, you know, like I think a lot of people, especially like back when I think probably the, the first, like the first incident that really sparked this wave of, of people being very, very upset against about police shootings of black men and black people generally was trip was with Trayvon Martin. And yeah. I think a lot of people, when that happened thought, well, like if this had been on camera, if this had been, if there was definitive evidence to show what had right. happened here, right. that, right. Er, that Zimmerman would have gone to jail, that he, that he, that he would have been convicted. Like he would have. To be fair, he wasn't a cop. So he, he might was have, not a cop, but... um, you know, but, and I think, with every and it was the same thing with Mike Brown, you know, like oh well, there was no video of this happening, even though there was a ton of you know credible testimony to suggest that Mike Brown didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, if we just had it on video and then we saw it, and then in the past five years we've seen a huge uptick. Like now, almost every single incident of police violence that makes the news has video attached, which yeah. is horrifying uh, because we now have to watch a lot of videos of uh, black people getting murdered by cops. Uh, which is bad for me and much worse if uh, you happen to be black, um, you know, and it hasn't changed anything. These cops aren't getting convicted any more often. They're not killing people any less. Uh, and it's horrifying, you know, it's, it's. So, yeah, so I would recommend reading The End of Policing. I already believed in police abolition when I picked up this book. I don't think that you necessarily have to. I think that this book is good for both people who currently believe in police abolition but haven't clarified their thoughts or wouldn't know necessarily how to defend that position in an argument with somebody else and also for people who have maybe heard of it but aren't sure if it's realistic or are just hearing about it now um you know if you belong in any of those categories like the end of policing is a book for you it's a very readable book you know it's it's not written in in obtuse academic language it's very much a book directed at a broad audience to try to convince them that cops are not the solution to any of our problems and that the problems that we have that that we currently use police to deal with problems of intimate partner violence or problems of mur- problems of murders problems of all sorts of crimes um that that happen are better dealt with by other mechanisms mm-hmm. uh besides you know fucking racist goons with guns running around our cities um so, you know, uh, read this book, you know, donate to bail funds if you can. Um, stuff is, shit's wild out there. Uh, so that is, so that's my book recommendation. It is The End of Policing by Alex S. Vital, and there are links to both of our book recommendations in the description, uh, in the show notes. Uh, so Alex, I know yes. what we're watching next month. What you are you watching, watching next month? watching next month. Uh, the audience knows what we're watching next month, but you do still have to say what we're watching next month. What, what, what are we watching? We're going to watch a Tana next month, remember? Oh, I didn't know you wanted to do that. Um, I thought you'd be too burned out on long shows. Uh, so, no, because oh, we it's summer now, and that's I think that's okay. sort of how our show works at this point, is that yeah. we're going to spend June, July watching a long-ass show. And then okay. I was going to suggest if you wanted to do a, uh, a Gaiden episode instead. Hmm. Uh, but The question I, that I have for Utena is, do you want to watch, because I, I think we want to watch the show and the movie. Yeah. Do you want to watch the whole show next month and then the movie the month after that? Or do you want to watch half of the show next month and then ha- the other half of the show and the movie the month after that? It depends if there's a, if there's a, a, a good break in the I show. I think there's a good break in the show. 
I mean, I'm fine either way. Yeah, um, I would probably I would personally prefer to watch half and half. Okay. Um, just because it it is sort of less less of, work. Um, yeah. But but would there be enough to talk about uh, if we don't get to like the end of the show? I don't, my, I, I I'm I, my preference would be to watch the entire show just because I worry that we're gonna like that we won't have much to talk about until like. All right, just let's do that. Watch the first. I think things? that's fair. If okay. I'll, it's the, it's a whole month, and I don't think that this show is going to be as hard to watch as Karikano was. Although yeah. it might be, who knows? <laughs> um, let's get, and then we'll let's get watch. started early, and then hopefully we'll we'll have time to watch. And then the f- following month after that, we'll watch Adolescence of Utena, which is the movie. Okay. And that movie is bat. I happen. I don't. I've never seen it, but I know from people who have seen it that it's batshit enough that it probably deserves its whole a whole month on its own. Hell yeah. <laughs> Um, the only thing that I've ever seen of that movie is the bit where Itana turns into a car. <laughs> I, I have not seen that. Oh, it's and literally, looks... there's literally, <laughs> there's literally, just, I, I've just, it's like a, a 10 second long clip of just like a, this pink car pulls up next to this like black car. And then you hear Utena's voice come out and it says, it's a big mistake to think you're the only one who can turn into a car. I'm a car now too. <laughs> That's all I know about Utena. <laughs> excellent. Um, excellent, excellent, excellent. So, yes. So, so that's what we're watching next month. We're going to be watching... We're going to be watching Revolutionary Girl Utena, which is directed by uh, Kunihiko Ikuara uh, and produced by JC Staff. Uh, and that'll be... That'll, that'll go up on the 1st of July. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, so thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, where, can where, can people, where can people find you? Did, what did you get? The emails. We didn't get any fucking emails. Any? No, not even one pity email. What a, what a fuck. Anyway. Uh, so well, okay. Like... So we got we got an email up. Uh, we can we we can talk about emails if you want to talk about emails because we did get an email about Penguin Highway. Oh, um, oh god okay we got an email about penguin highway after we recorded the last episode uh it's uh, the reason i didn't want to read it is because it's not really a question okay uh, but i'll read i will i will read it this comes from uh this comes to us from cheese dip <laughs> uh <laughs> okay. who says who says hey i'm sorry i know this is a little late but I just wanted to say I actually like this one. I was interested because I'm a big fan of Tomihiko Marimi, the guy that wrote the Tatami Galaxy and Night of Short Walk On Girl. And even though it's more targeted to- for kids, I guess, I still think we got a lot of his wit and creativity. I genuinely started getting almost Twin Peaksy vibes as it progressed with its small town where weird shit happens. I saw that y'all were having some conflicting thoughts on this one, and I totally get it. The gender politics around are a little weird, and issues with the plot and pacing are totally valid. But as a surreal coming-of-age story with some gorgeous animation, I think it works for the most part. Who knows? Maybe I conflate positivity towards a movie with an experience where I was supposed to go out state to see it with my partner near a space camp that we weren't able to end up doing so when i finally oh. got a hold of it it was like being able to experience that partial happiness of myself in an alternate reality anyways i'm rambling at this point even if i didn't get this to y'all in time for recording i'm so glad i found your podcast thanks for everything hope you're staying safe and i can't wait for the next episode that's oh from, that's so wholesome that is, yeah it's a very wholesome email from zach I'm, aka cheese dip i'm glad you read it uh, uh yeah if you haven't that's the last episode uh, uh don't listen to it uh 
I uh, yeah we that, that was the one where we kind of had the the strongest disagreement over the yeah. merits of the show. Uh, and, yeah, don't ever yeah, listen. So, and to so the, uh, the joke when I finished this Karakana was that um, I said I hated the last episode of Karakana almost as much as Penguin Highway, and everyone everyone let out the gasp. Yeah, um, I'm surprised, especially because you weren't you weren't furiously posting about it like you were about Penguin Highway. You I were, was, I was, I, yeah, I was a lot more, I was also exhausted by the whole thing because it's I so long. Yeah. Like I was, I was more just like depressed by the whole <laughs> thing. Cause like I'd, I'd read the, th- I'd read the stuff about the manga and I knew where things was going. So it was more just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Than anything else. Sorry. Well, anyway. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Alex? You can if you if you if you agree with me uh, about my anime takes, you can find me to uh, feed my ego, a la Miyazawa, uh, on Twitter at dun 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 uh, at Mastodon, Catalina at selfie dot army. Selfie has a Y in it. I stream bad video games on Twitch. Uh, twitch.tv slash miss underscore you streamed a good video game once but you'll never make that mistake again yeah uh well that was that that was that yeah that was unintentional if you want if you want to see me start crying on stream watch my watch the uh vod of my soma playthrough uh one of the few good video games to ever exist cass you've never cried on stream no i've never cried right uh but can we see you not crying online? Uh, you can see me not crying online at twitter.com slash profit underscore goddess. I don't know why I said the full URL and not just on Twitter at profit Because <laughs> I said twitch.tv, so I primed you for that. Yeah. You're big on priming. It's one of your favorite words. You talk about I, it all the time. I, yeah, I started using it, I think, to avoid... Um, I think I, we were talking about games, and I think at one point I said like the game wants you to think or wants you to do this and you like jumped on that. Mm. Uh, and so like I, I you've been shifted to saying that, that the game primes you to do this just, and so, and, yeah. I, and it became, it, 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 it's, it was very useful. And so now I can't stop saying it. Um, so you can find that's my Twitter. You can find my Mastodon at Profit underscore Goddess at Skeleton dot Cool. Uh, you can find my video games at ProfitGoddess.itch.io with no underscore. You can see uh, the just f- absolute spelunky tragedy that happened to me uh, before recording this podcast at Twitch.tv slash Profit underscore Goddess, where I stream twice a week with Alex and once a week playing Spelunky by myself, trying to unlock all the rest of the achievements. Uh, and then you can find the podcast on Twitter at Anime is for Jerks, which I, I, every time I look at it, I'm just so pleased because I'm so happy that that URL wasn't taken. And uh, that we got our, and that he got unlocked. Yeah, and that I got unlocked. <laughs> so, li- so last month, you may, you, listeners may have noticed that last month I didn't post an announcement, I didn't make an announcement post for the podcast on Twitter. I only made one on Mastodon. And that was not because I dislike you, Twitter, although I do. Um, it was because I I went to the the bio. I was updating the bio to put. I was changing the URL from the anchor URL to our uh, the custom URL that Alex bought, which is anime.gripe. 
and then while I was there, I noticed that the birthday field, and I was like, oh, it would be cute to put our birth, to set the birthday of the account to the first, the, the day that the first podcast was uploaded. Uh, and then Twitter immediately <laughs> realized that that would mean that the podcast is under the age of 13 and then banned me. Uh, and I had to send them a picture of my driver's license to prove that I was not, uh, in fact, a one-year-old using Twitter. <laughs> Uh, it was very funny, but now I have the account back, uh, graciously. So anyway, so you can find me there. It's at animates for jerks at skeleton.cool is our Mastodon account. And you can send us emails with questions about this episode or any episode we've ever done or really anything. We're really desperate for content at <laughs> for jerks at gmail.com. Uh, that's it. Good night, all everyone. Right. Thank you all. See you next month. See you next month. Bye. <laughs>